I met Argenis at Southwestern Community College in San Diego, sometime around 2003. He was always the one that had a better concert story, who always managed to sneak backstage after shows. I remember him once trying to get me a job at the UCD store where he was working. I still remember being nervous as I filled out an application with that classic impossible question, what are your three favorite bands? He is now a concert promoter and event organizer in Tijuana. Although I stopped seeing him after I transferred out of community college, I still kept up with him on Facebook. Over the years, I saw him create a music festival and watched as the show got bigger and the lineup got better year after year. Recently, I've followed along with excitement as he brings some of my favorite bands to Tijuana. Since I've known him, Argenis has never stopped pursuing his love for music and concerts. And yet, I'm left full of nostalgia for a Tijuana that is no longer mine and will probably never be so again. Talking to him now was like going back to visit your old high school in a dream and seeing how everything is just slightly off and realizing just how out of touch you are with something that was once so dear. This is Rich Chocolatey Goodness. All right. Okay. Hello, Argenis. Hi, Pedro. How you doing? Very good. Uh, <laughs> I, this is a very bad way to start because we have to have all this formal conversation before and I have to hide my excitement. <laughs> okay. I'm very excited. I'm very, very excited to talk to you because I don't know how long it's been. Uh, it's been more than 10 years. Yeah, definitely. For example, you didn't know that my shoulder dislocates easily, did you? Uh, uh, no, I don't know. That's something that happened at the end of college, and it's something that happened uh, last week. So it's something that happens constantly? Uh, yes, right now I'm in my closet wearing a sling, and I'm doing all of this single-handedly. What? <laughs> so it's just the way you are built? Yeah, defectively. Cool, I mean... No. It could be worse. Uh, I that don't way. know, man. It hurts a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it hurts a lot and it's very often. Oh, that's... I don't know. That sucks. I don't know, I, I know where you're at. I've been keeping this a mystery on purpose. Oh, really? Well, why? Well, my, my location, just so, so it'd be fun. So I could tell you about it. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think after Southwestern... That was when I lost track of you. Like, I don't know what happened. Yes, Southwestern College, our old uh, community college. Yes, and I, which I didn't finish. I was one of those, you know? Like, there was a lot of, a lot of dropouts from that, and I was one of those. To me, it was weird, because uh, I had just finished high school and in Tijuana, at Lazaro, and it was like, okay, I'm going to go to college in the U.S., and then when I got there, everything that they were teaching me was like high school level. And then I was trying to become a journalist. So I took English and then my English teacher was 
pretty rough on my first paper, and she was like, "You know, you need to take English as a first language in order to write properly, because this is incoherent." And that kind of like bummed me out, and I was like, "I don't want to go to school here anymore." And I went back to college, but in Mexico, and and I studied communications, which is kind of like a journalism and visual arts type of stuff. It's just like a bunch of like a little bit of everything. It's just a weird career to take on. And um and yeah, and I think after that I I I probably saw you like a couple of times and then I don't know what happened. Yeah, community college is a it's a trap. Yes. Especially when you're coming from Mexico uh because yeah, it's so hard you're going across you you were going across the border, right? Yeah, every time, every day. Oh uh, yeah, you put all that all that effort, and the classes are so uh, just uh, mind numbing. Not all of them. Yeah, uh, we had. There's somebody. There, there was a teacher there that I'm actually trying to get to be a guest on this show. He was a philosophy teacher, Peter Boland. Oh really? I I like that we immediately went into the into the stories. That's good. Uh, but I haven't even explained. It. <laughs> I love it. It makes me feel good that uh, you trust me and you just like came on the show. I didn't even explain what it's like and you're telling me about your life. <laughs> this is a comedy podcast, Argenis, all right? We don't need your uh, <laughs> your sad stories. <laughs> I, thought you said- I, didn't, I didn't finish college. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had to go back to, uh, to Mexico to get a degree in some bullshit career. No, this is... Exactly what uh what what this whole thing is about. I think I think it's a good idea, dude. Like it feels like I think it, it could work. Uh, the whole point is that I'm trying to catch up with all friends. Um, because this thing with uh, Facebook, you know, I'm not the first one to say it, it's a cliche, but it gives you the illusion of being uh, in contact with all these people, and then I feel like all I end up doing is just sharing uh stupid cat pictures and things like that and that level of proximity uh, means that i never go into any deep conversation and it yeah. you know, comes to the point where i know that you have children uh mm-hmm. i know that you brought king gizzard and the lizard wizard to tijuana which is uh, fucking incredible it makes me so excited yeah um but i don't you know i have no idea what's been going on with your life and now that we're talking it's been so long so the point is that, you know, yeah. try, trying to catch up, trying to hear what you, you don't know. You don't know that right now I'm in my closet in Paris. Uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I didn't know that. I didn't know, I didn't know you were in Paris. Yeah. Uh, I, I, can, I can feel a little bit of a French accent. <laughs> I don't know. I think you were friends with one guy that always spoke with like the R, like he was French, but he wasn't French. But that was me. Not that that wasn't you, it was somebody else. No, I had the messed up R. Uh, since I was a kid, I could never say the the R correctly in Spanish. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> and I found that the easiest solution, I got tired of it, and I just moved to France. <laughs> and, uh, everything. <laughs> I enrolled in a, in a communications program, and uh, <laughs> I got a degree, and now I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> Oh, nice. So, so, yeah, that's how you do it. You you go against the your biggest problem, and it becomes your, you know, your shield and your yeah. sword. Speech therapy. That's life. stupid. I'll just learn a new language and struggle for three years <laughs> in a new country. That's cool. That's cool. All right. So, 
Um, as you know, the title of this podcast is Rich Chocolatey Goodness. Yes. Uh, and I asked you to read the, an excerpt from um, uh, The Crying of Lot 49. But and you said you'd already read the book, so that made it even easier. So do you get do you get the idea behind the um, behind this rich chocolatey goodness? The title, a little bit. But here's the thing: like I remember reading that book. I remember buying that book from Amazon. I remember the name of the characters, Odipa, and all that. And then I realized, like I don't remember anything about the book. Well, I bought that book um, on a trip to london because i i went there with my wife to visit um well we're gonna spend you're married yeah <laughs> okay i didn't know you were married well that's that's why i'm in paris oh okay it was a lie it wasn't because of the speech impediment oh okay. <laughs> oh so you went to a honeymoon and you stayed there uh no no she's french <laughs> oh she's french oh Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Well, she was a French teacher okay. at the university that I had just left. So I went back to Santa Barbara and I enrolled in a master's PhD program. On my second year, there was a, a Portuguese lecturer that came to, to the building and we became very good friends. His name's also Pedro. And, uh, and then I left because I wanted, I don't know what the hell I wanted. And I was going to go to Korea. I was going to go teach English in Korea. So then at that moment, my wife became the French lecturer at the university. I wasn't there anymore. And my friend Pedro and her became good friends because it was all in the same building. And all the, all the foreigners go outside the building to smoke. Anyway, so my friend kept saying, oh, you should meet my friend Pedro. Uh, you know, you'd like him. And we met and we liked each other. And, uh, you know, she had to come back. I'm making the story short, but it's a lot more romantic than that. Uh, she had to come back. Uh, I said, uh, all right, I'll go with you. And uh, it's a little bit scary for her because we'd only been going out for like three months. And uh, I, I got a job here. I came here and then everything worked out. <laughs> like it, cool. was a, it was a big gamble and it worked out. And, uh, and yeah, now I'm sitting in our closet. Nice. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. So I was in a boat and I bought the book and there was a part where he says rich chocolatey goodness and I say, hey, that sounds good and I'm going to make a show that's called rich chocolatey goodness. <laughs> End of story. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> uh, so, so I wrote a book. Uh-huh. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Tell me all about it. Uh, <laughs> no. But anyway, so it's been, a, it's been crazy. It's been... It's been exciting, but it also has been scary. And, uh, you know, like, I guess, I guess it's, it's like if I can, I mean, it's just been what life is. It's just like a bunch of experiences together. So I, I guess I think, so after I, I, was done with uh, college I um, my sister was starting to go to to get a no oh, she was trying to to go to uh, Barcelona she's a chef and I just came back from from Coachella 
and I was broke and everyone was like kind of like pitching to, you know, like making breakfast and making ruffles and all that to just get some funding for her. And I didn't know what to do. So I threw a party at the place where we used to throw parties at, at my parents' house where you played once. And that thing turned into a festival, which got me into some interesting things. Like we were able to put it off, pull it off for five years, six years actually. And then I started like, and everything was, I mean, it, it was, it was hard. It was hard because uh, the first year was pretty unorganized. And then the second year was a little bit better. The third year was better and by the fourth year we were kind of like on a slump we didn't know what to do like it was kind of like we were hitting the same mark on the ticket sales and 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 it felt like it was going to be impossible for us to grow unless we invested a lot of money and by the fifth year i found this beautiful place in, in the beach which is where I actually work now and um, and I went to this meeting and it was kind of like the worst speech I ever done it was I was it was in front of rich and famous people of Tijuana and <laughs> it was just like I'm just imagining the characters, the rich and famous of Tijuana. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, like the the that like. You don't have to say names, but I I can imagine people. <laughs> yeah, like, but like, just, just like the ones that want to have like a good PR, uh, Tijuana face, and and I just blew it. It was just horrible, and, but somehow, like this guy came up to me and said like hey your project sounds interesting you want to do it out of my property and it was like this beautiful um render of a beach club in rosarito which i never seen before i didn't know it existed there and um we've been been trying to move the festival to the beach uh but we tried in, in playas but it was hard and then like so we found this place, and in on 2014, we we did it. We we did the festival, and at the beach, and it was kind of like, it was, no, it wasn't kind of like it was totally overwhelming. Just how it was. There was a couple of things. Like one of them was um, was um was the fact that people reacted so possibly to the festival, which has been, like, you know how Tijuana is sometimes hard to convince people to do, uh, I mean, to enjoy what they have. It was just, like, it was hard. And and with this festival, it was kind of like all that ener bad energy uh, move away. Everyone was really exciting. Everyone felt like like the festival has had... Um, so so much future and and just you know like everything was doing great and and everyone enjoyed it everyone was happy the organizers were happy 
my partners were happy. Everyone was happy. And but I, I guess I got a little too happy because I think the festival was on Saturday, and by Monday, when I received the preliminary n numbers of what we have done on sales, it was the first time we were on the greens. We actually made some money, or that's what they the they told me, and and I went crazy. I had a mental breakdown that it lasted for like a month. Wait, be, wait, wait, because uh, are you like using hyperbole or did you have like a real uh, mental breakdown? No, no, it's a real mental breakdown. I was in the hospital and everything. Oh, shit. It was it be yeah. wait, but why? Because it went well. Um, so I don't know. It's something that I have analyzed, analyzed uh, a long time and it's something that It actually like it leaves you a scar, but it's kind of like um, so. When I went to therapy afterwards and I talked talked about this, it was kind of like like it was kind of like when you f fly too close to the sun and when you think that you made it, you know, like like now nothing can go. Like we found, like we finally made the festival work because we were having losses and it was like so much pressure. And it was kind of like, yeah, I, most of the pressure I put on myself, you know? And it was kind of like, you know, like trying to become, to make something out of nothing and just like, you know, like all that pressure of, of, of becoming like, like successful. Or like having to prove to my parents or to myself that I'm like that that I was doing something that was worth uh, investing on and worth you know like like doing and and, and every time we threw the festival and we failed and we didn't uh, didn't even got even you know it was kind of like oh we finally found like a way to make this profitable, to make this something that I can, you know, that I can uh, work on for the rest of my life, you know, like, it was such a personal project that it was just kind of like, I don't know, it just, it, it, I think to me was that, and, and it's funny because, because um, it remind me a lot of the, the first project that I ever had, which was a fan scene. And it was called La Gaceta de Icaro, which is like this, this, uh, this myth about a guy who flies too close to the sun, and then his wings are made of wax, and he, and he, uh, uh, the the wings melt and all that, you know. And I felt like that was kind of like what was happening to me in some point, like you know, like just feeling that 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 feeling that it was like. That we made it, you know. Why and did you choose that? Why did you choose that name for the first one? You think, you think there was something back there that kind of told you that I, if I ever get too close, I don't know. It was a character that I find really interesting. At the point, it was I, I was, I was in the first years of high school when I, when when I did that fan scene. But I don't know. It, it kind of like got stuck in my head. Anyway, so we were like, I was, yeah, 
it was crazy. The the mental breakdown thing is like if I could explain it, it's kind of like being on like you don't notice it. You don't notice it at all because you feel like you you feel like super uh like you feel invincible and you feel like you're uh like you can do whatever and then like things some reality start shaking like on your way like like you could go to you could you start thinking that no i don't know how to explain it but you can almost be you're thinking too so much fast that you should that you can start seeing outcomes that are that are uh that are possible and most of the time because you know like there's so many outcomes that you can see like you're gonna think that you're right and but it's just your, it's just your mind going a thousand miles per hour and and we and i ended up in the hospital on the 22nd of june i came out on the 23rd but i was uh i was hospitalized for that um that day and then for a month i started going to a psychiatrist and then they gave me pills and they got me like really really depressed and 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 in the middle of that i found out my girlfriend was pregnant and we decided to go on on it and and that kind of like changed everything it was like if you look backwards it probably wasn't like my it wasn't the brightest moment but i mean i'm so happy now that i don't even care what time i took that decision you know my baby daughter is like the best thing that ever happened to me and my wife is just amazing so um um I'm good now, but it is like something that, um, so it was kind of like on 2014, we did the festival. I went nuts. No, most, most people couldn't like understand what was happening. Um, and, um, the next year, I, I mean, so that was on June by March. Um, Ariana, my baby daughter was born. And the festival was coming up like in three months. So the the my partners and I decided that I I wasn't like fit to work under so much pressure. And it was true and I was my mind was other was other like it was just thinking of how to survive, how to make how to have a regular job and, and you know, like being a promoter is is kinda of like um uh, being a professional uh better you know like a professional betting gambler gambler professional gambler that's the word yeah so we i didn't participate on the 2015 one and that kind of hurt because i felt like at that point the festival was like we there was so much expectation expectation because we would we did so well uh the year before and everyone was hype And then I didn't curate that lighten up that much. I wasn't like so much on top of it. And and for example, and we didn't sell much tickets. It was kind of like a total 
we had to give away tons of tickets on the in the 2015 and that almost like i mean i felt like that was the reason we uh was one of the reasons we stopped doing the festival and and it was kind of like it was kind of like um uh, it was that and then a, another a bunch of other combinations but i feel like that one like killed my partner's ideas of doing something in baja And then the next year, my partners lost their sponsorship um, beer, and they decided to cancel all my friends. And then by 2017, by 2017, I got this job that I was that I was gonna move to Monterrey, and with all my family and all that shit. And I told my partners like, "Hey, I'm planning on moving to Monterrey," and then, and he was like, oh, "Okay, cool," and, and I was. And that that was it. It wasn't. I wasn't like, hey, I'm moving to Monterrey next week, or like, I'm moving to Monterrey. Like, it was just like like a thing that that I told him. And then he went, um, he went with without me, and he did a festival in the same venue that we did all my friends, and with the same people that we do all my friends. It was just kind of like. He went around my bag and he didn't tell me and I was working for that venue. It was kind of like, it was kind of messy in a way. And then they did that festival. And at the end of the day, we, we ended up our par partnership and that time. And then I went to Coachella because one of the bands that played all my friends in 2012, those blenders, they're from Mexico City. Yes, I love those guys. I was so excited when you, uh, when I, I wasn't in Tijuana at the time, but I saw the lineups, like, what? Yeah, so, so they invited me to go to Coachella, and you know, I, I've been to Coachella like plenty, plenty of times, and, but I never experienced it as a artist guest. And this is like, like, I, I know people that hate festivals now, but it's only because they're old, you know? Like, we're, we get older, <laughs> we need to experience festivals in a different way. Like, if you love music and you keep going as a fan after 30 or something years, you get tired, you know? You get like, yeah, like, you need to. If, and if you love music so much, you probably should be working on it, you know, and making your living in, or, or some way, you know? Like, try to find ways to get in for free. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of, I'm still not giving up on that dream. Yeah, and so we went there, and it was, it was amazing to be driving around from stage to stage on a band, which is like, you know, like it was just like, it was crazy. And on top of that, we did, I, um, I did LSD, and that kind of like. Uh, <laughs> That was that was the wrong combination of excitement, and I had a second mental breakdown. Oh man, there's too and... many people at Coachella. Like I remember specifically thinking when I was there, it's like, how can people take the hard drugs in this in this environment? It's hot. Yeah, and and it wasn't and it wasn't like like to be honest, it was like we spent like half of the day on the on the pool, and and I did it, and then like we got to Coachella at night. We were we weren't like on a bunch of the crowd. It was just the fact again of thinking of all my friends and just like the idea of this festival needs to happen because at the end of the day, 
bigger festivals nurture from smaller festivals to fill their their lineups, you know, because they they it, they it works almost like like a minor league system, you know, like you need to to have those. And because of one of my friends, uh, he he works Coachella, and he was like, and he had his stage and all that stuff, and he and I felt like, yeah, we need to have all my friends in order that we have more bands in the lineup, and 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 you know, and people. Um, I mean, now we have. I mean, I felt like we could have an input. You know, like it took us like. Five, five, seven years to be able to do that, and and again, it got in my head. It was just like, it was just like, yeah, well, we have to, and so I focus a lot on making all my friends again, and everything was like, yeah, we should do it, and I created a like the the thing about the mental breakdowns is that it, it almost like being I don't know if you have been I don't I haven't been but I feel like I it it gets you. Weirdly focused, but also a lot of chaos, and maybe you can get creative and stuff. And so we created business plans. We created a plan for investors. We found a new venue. We we were like really close again to bring it back, and and we we went to a couple of investors. They they gave us a cold shoulder, and then one was like, "I'm ready. I'm gonna do it." And then this fucking asshole registered the name of all my friends in LA, and that's where we at. Right. So I didn't I didn't want to bring up the name because I wasn't sure if if there was some legal issue. Um, so yeah. So to clarify, this festival that you were talking about that started in your house, it's called the All My Friends Festival. All My Friends Music Festival. Yes. You don't know this guy. This is a separate dude in L.A. Yes, in LA who claims he'd never heard of your All My Friends music festival. I mean, so it, this is this is what's weird. Uh, I'll tell you this story. Well, the thing with your elemental breakdown is that you see everything with so much clarity, but the other people can't see it the way you see it, right? And And because they know you're in the state, they don't take you that seriously. But I remember clearly that I told one of my the closest friends he's, he's from San Diego. His name is... I remember clearly, like, I told him, dude, we need to register the name. Please help me with everything that's on the USA so I don't have to worry about that. And, and, um, and I don't blame him. Like, I don't blame anyone. It, it was it was all my fault, but it, I just remember that because it's kind of like the thing that... Uh, that I knew, like, when you're in that state, and I told you, like, you see things coming, right? And I, like, I felt like we should have protected ourselves from that. And we didn't, and then this happened. And um, now we're on a legal battle to try to get the name back. So did the did the festival happen, the, the one in L.A.? Yeah, it, it did happen. So they already had one? Yeah. And did you get... Well, should we stop talking? Is there any sort of legal thing where you shouldn't? Uh, I don't want to. No, I mean, if you have any questions, I can tell you. Did you get any feeling like was this a uh, 
like a, a real misunderstanding? I mean, the chances are are small if you're a music promoter, you pro concert promoter. Chances are he would have heard of your festival. But do you think this was well, like here, capitalizing on the fact that there was already an existing festival, or just an honest mistake? No, it was totally. It was. It was to me. It's totally with the the ten intention. You know, it felt like. I mean, when I contact I contacted him earlier before he got the registration and told him to stop because ah. we have a festival. And then I knew some people at, at the organization he used to work at that knew about my festival. And then to make things even crazier, um, on this Coachella, I went. I, I've been working there now on small uh things but um i work um with a friend and who's really close with the directors and shit and we met a guy who puts the show together and and we were walking around just talking about the state of festivals and everything and and then i saw this guy and he, and he goes like oh there he is and i was like you want me to introduce And I was like, yeah, like, I mean, I've been to this festival for 14 years. This guy is one of my, you know, like some, someone I look up to. Of course, I want to meet him. And and he knew about the my festival, which is a small festival in Tijuana. And he's like, he has a, the biggest festival in the world besides, I don't know, what, Glastonbury? And he knew about the festival. So to me, it's like, come on, you have the internet now. You put all my friends in this festival. It comes up, you know. And... You can say it was a small festival because of the people that attended it, but I mean, we were on Pitchfork, we were on Rolling Stone, Buys, and every media that matters of, on music, we were on it. Yeah, I mean, that was basically even more than Facebook because you don't post too often. That was basically how I knew what you were up to. It's like, oh shit, Argenis got. Didn't you bring Los Planetas or? Yeah. Like, What the fuck? <laughs> that was yeah. like the, the. I was just like, all right, he's doing great. He's doing great. Uh, like the lineup, the lineup's getting better each year. Yeah. All right. So then, what happened? Uh, so you're not doing it anymore. No. So we're right now on the process of trying to get the name back together, and the, the biggest problem here is not the name. I mean, it is the name, but what I want to say is, like, the fact that they don't understand how important for us is to be able to promote in the U in San Diego and LA. And not only because of ticket selling, but also because that's where the artists are, you know, like you have, I mean, the agencies are there. So like, and, and it happened, like when we promote our, when we, they, when we are negotiating with artists, like, uh, we could ask if we also do the LA festival, which is like, it's not only a liability for me, it's a liability for them too. You know, like I don't understand why they went that route. Like to me, it's just like, it's just malicious. But anyway, um, with him, we started a new festival. It's called Wakoya. And it started this year in, in Ensenada and Baja Seasons, which is like in La Salina. It's, and, and this is, that's our new baby project. And we are, trying to build it to become something great. And um, we did it this year, and, and it's more 
inclined to electronic music, but we're trying to figure it out yet what we want to do with it. All right. Yes, I was I was going to ask that. I, I I briefly saw that it was electronic. Um, what's happened in TJ? Because I mean, I, when I left, there was that literal resurgence. I guess it was already dying, but the whole thing with Nordic and there was a specific moment for electronic music. Uh, and then came rock, and then I don't know. You were in the scene. What's going on right now? I've heard of a uh, Jardin. I love those guys. So basically, when we started doing it, all my friends, there was a lot of bands, a lot of bands, and most of them don't play anymore, or they have changed their name, or changed members, or 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 members have different projects, um, and most of that was happening in downtown. And downtown and 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 central probably yeah like most of it was based on downtown and and that's um that's how they keep they keep playing there they keep uh, producing music putting out it was it was fairly like there was a bunch of bands that were like doing shows doing promo doing everything. Some of them moved to Mexico City, and some of them uh, started doing shows in in LA and San Diego, and and it was kind of like got the um, it wasn't as cohesive as we as when we started AMF. It was kind of like here and there as far as music sound and quality and all that, but then. Uh, last year, um, people, I mean, the the actual movement of new musicians and new bands and new sounds is happening on the east. Uh, the east of Tijuana is, has, like, bands of 15, 16, 18, like, 21 years old. And, and they have shows. They have their own festivals. They have their, their own sound. They have their own aesthetics. And it's like it's another city. It's finally happening because you think about it. When we talk about the East as the new side of Tijuana, we've been talking about it for eighteen years. So it makes sense now that on that side, kids want to start playing music and doing shows and having a venue and all that stuff. So the city's so big now that the really, really counterculture. It's happening on the east side. So and it's downtown really is just like for people our age that we just kept going to the same spot. Yeah, right. Exactly, and they do make shows here. The people on the east side, but uh, but yeah, I mean, like, just listen to the band and see what's up. You know, it's just it's a new generation, and I'm excited to hear what they're saying. I heard. Um, I don't remember how I heard Hardin. I think somebody. Somebody must have posted something on Facebook. I don't know, but I I got very emotional because I was, you know, so far. I'm here in Paris, and I felt so far away because the age, just everything was so distant. It's like a, a completely different Tijuana, you know. Yeah. Uh, and it made me feel so good. Like there's so there's such. I mean, they had that one single that was very catchy, and then but they looked like they're very good musicians. And uh, yeah, I showed it around some friends here, and they were all very, very excited about it too. That's the thing, like the 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 musicianship has gone better. I felt like, and I mean, to me, um, 
uh, the like and and that's including Jardín, Ramona, Entre Desiertos. They all have like great musicians on their on on their lineup. And yeah, I think it's great because they can feel like a three four hundred uh, venue by themselves and only with locals, you know. And and uh, and that's something that other bands that have like even more years playing are unable to do. So good for them, and and I'm happy that that that's happening. And um, and. And yeah, like I, I just, I just feel like, um, I mean, to me, like the best band that I heard in a while here in Tijuana is not even from Tijuana, it's from Ensenada. It's a band called Tajak. What is it? Tajak is T A J A K. Okay. And uh, I'll look it up. They've been touring Europe lately, and um. I saw them uh, like last. Was I think it was July last July, and they blew my mind. They were so so good, because it's crazy. But this, which has been the most difficult year as far as you know, as a legal thing that we have on our fucking roof, which is it's it's really stressing and just like takes a lot of. Uh, space in my head. Um, it's also been a great year as far as what we've been able to do. Like we did, uh, we also did like this crazy show with Billy Joe Armstrong and Al Mustache, the guy from Green Dude, Day. Dude, what the hell? I keep looking at, at uh, like, um... oh man, I blanked out with those guys. Uh, they were touring with King Gizzard. Um... I don't know that mustache bar. All of a sudden, like I remember, it's so small in the back, and they have these crazy guests. Like, what the hell? Uh, it was it was in Mile High Club. Yes, Mile High Club. Yes. Yeah. Like it yeah. just it feels so strange. Like I saw them here at uh, Bataclan. Yeah. And to think that they they were at the mustache bar, it's so uh, yeah it's insane. The the mustache great. I mean, and then they also Mile High Club uh, play Coachella too. And they play another festival that was happening TJ Rumble Fest too. So yeah, the the thing with the Mustache is that it it has like an essence of uh, of uh, of an old venue, but it's a fucked up venue. So. <laughs> yeah, like it makes me think of. Uh, it doesn't matter how old I am. If being out there makes me think of being eighteen and like setting up your drums, I'm gonna do a shitty show. Yeah. Not shitty, but you know, like the not professional. Yeah. Like yeah, like a house. Show. And I don't mean it in in term like in disrespect because I'm impressed at the the acts that I've seen just on Facebook that they bring. It's just that maybe it's because that's I was that old and that's the image I have in my head. But I I transport myself to that space and that's like a young, young improvised uh, concert space for me. Yeah, it is. It is. And fun fact. We were the first that did a show at the patio, and we did uh, Bitch Fossils in uh, 2011, which was huge, you know, at the time. Like, I mean, that band ended up blowing up, but... Uh, never heard of it. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. You never heard of them? No. They're like, uh, it's a, it's, I mean, it's a cool band. You can listen to it. They're from New York, from Brooklyn. And 
at the time Brooklyn was doing uh, great as far as bands and and we did it and we got to break a wall in order to make the show happen and yes so we did that show and I mean they had her Mars Superstar there they had a they had this band with Macaulay Culkin on it. Yeah, I saw that. I wasn't happy about that. Disrespect, disrespecting the Velvet Underground. <laughs> it's not cool. And then they had um, uh, some other bands, but I think the biggest show they we they throw there is the Billy Joe Armstrong show. It was just like it was crazy. It was it was such a surreal experience. The guy showed up and he was like. Oh well, this is really punk rock. <laughs> yeah, unlike you. <laughs> now put on your makeup. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, and 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 you know how it is. Like the artist is always cool, but the manager management is always worried. They were they were asking about security and all that stuff, and and it was like, and they were worried. And the thing is that I don't know why, but the the audience in Tijuana is probably the best in the country as far as the way they behave. I don't think Plastilina Mosh would agree, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's such a that's such an old reference, and like yeah, I wonder uh, how many people like, will get that. <laughs> like I mean, like come on, it was probably someone not from here that did that. <laughs> no, like. Like it is, it is a thing. Like they they behave so well during Billy said the long shot, and and at the end of the show they were just singing his name, asking him for pictures, and it was just like people flew from Mexico City to the show, uh, from everywhere. The the soul. I mean, it's only a two fifty. Yeah, how many people fit in that place? Two fifty, but it was kind of like it sold out. It sold out in. In, in 24 hours, I think. It was crazy. It was crazy. And um, he was super nice. And uh, we brought him tacos. And he was happy. <laughs> that was actually the, the, the last place I visited. I mean, I didn't, it wasn't intentionally, but um, right before I, since the whole decision to move here to Paris was very quick, I said like, all right, well, I need I need to show you Mexico at least once. And I know it's not Mexico, Mexico, but you need to come to Tijuana and we'll do an express trip. You need to, you know, go to Taconazo and uh, like get some good food. And we went to Mustache that night and then uh, Cuatro Amigos, just a quick tour of the bars. And who did I run into? Some of the guys from Ambiente, I think I saw Julio. Yeah, probably. Yeah, so, I, you know, I have that like, Memory is kind of fresh of my last, my last visit to Tijuana. Yeah, and then, yeah, it's crazy. The the city is in a weird state right now. It's just like, like always, <laughs> like always. Yeah, it's always like transitioning into something, and you don't know what's going on. Yeah. So when I when, I guess going back to, like. Stepping away a little from about the music, I uh, so when I, uh, my wife was pregnant, we lived in downtown. It was kind of weird because I never lived there, and I mean, it was, I mean, it was it was different. And then we moved to her mother's house, the Ripodromo, 
And right now we're living at the same house that we used to throw my friends at. Uh, with uh, my parents left, and, and and they have another house, and now we're living here. So we're living in the same house that you play. Oh, that's the place, the the living room where. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that is crazy. That's where we live right now. Well, oh man, okay. So I'm excited that you that you brought that up because that's a uh, like. I mean, uh, how do I frame this? Um, the reason, one of the many reasons why I wanted to do the show is that, like, I've been struggling, and you know, there's some petty feelings of, of uh, not anger, but like envy, and just like you were saying, you know, like life gets hard. It's just just life, and uh, and I'm just looking around, and I see all my friends that are kind of a, they seem to be so clear along their path. And like they know what they're doing, and I feel like I've made so many false starts, you know. And I go do one thing, and I like come back and I do something else. I mean, is this based on actual conversation or just what you see on social media? Exactly. So I and I know, you know, like you know that it's a, it's a, that it's not true, but you can't help it because that's the only thing you're consuming. So yeah. So that and so on the one hand, there's the petty side of. Uh, you know, I need, I need something to push me to do better. But on the other, that, that was really the motivation. Like I need to, you know, I need to know what my friends are doing, but just looking at the, like, I didn't know that you'd gone through all that trouble to me. It was just like up, 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 you know, like a lineup keeps getting better every year. Um, and then this thing, when I contacted you, because I'm like, I'm obsessed with King Gizzard right now. And uh, when I saw that they were going to be playing at Marco Disco, I couldn't believe it. And that's when I made that whole connection, because um, I remember. So we had our our shitty band. It's alright to call it shitty. <laughs> <laughs> it, it had a it had a shitty name for sure. Yeah, I I don't want to say it, but uh, <laughs> so we had our band, and uh, I was the drummer, and uh, I will say that seventy five percent of the band's shortcomings came from me, from me being the drummer. <laughs> Uh, but it was definitely fun because it was like, you know, I was playing with my best friends and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And that's when we were in community college mm -hmm. and, uh, and I just, I remember you, like you were like, like hell bent on being our manager. Oh yeah. And it's like, like, I was like, why, why, like, we don't, <laughs> we don't need a manager. Like, like first let me learn how to play the drums and, <laughs> But you like you were just always honored. You like uh, like hey, I got you a house party, or like you're just trying to. Oh yeah, I think I did, I did got you like two dates. Yeah, well, there was one house party you got us in San Diego, and I was. Oh yeah, and, and I'm not kidding. Like I really needed to learn how to play the drums. I ended up being the drummer because I was the worst guitar player out of everybody. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and, and and it was like I wanted to play. It was like, well, I want to have fun with my friends. And there was a drum set because Beto was in another band and they had the drum set there. And then I was like, all right, I guess I'll learn how to play the drums just like so I could keep, you know, hanging out with my friends. And, uh, and then I ended up loving it, but I was literally learning how to play the drums. So, uh, very, once they got a new drummer, the band really went up. They did some really cool stuff. I really liked it. Um, Oh really? Yeah, I mean they they weren't my favorite band, but um, but they, at at the very end, they right before they broke up. Who was in that band? Beto, 
Rodriguez? Yeah, so it was originally it was uh, Beto, Fernando, and Marco. Marco. So Fernando was on bass, Beto was like the multi-instrumentalist, and, uh, and Marco... He was the real talent. Yeah. And then I was just I was just the drummer guy. <laughs> um, I was the drunk in the band. <laughs> and then... Uh, and then uh, we had some artistic differences with Beto, and uh, and Miguel came in. Miguel, Miguel from Heretic. <laughs> yeah, from if anybody from Tijuana is listening from Heretic fame. Before they were, <laughs> before they were Heretic, they were Misery in, uh, in high school. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I don't see Miguel that much because I, I'm sure he's not living here. No, anymore. he's in New York. But uh, he's in New York. I yeah. Think. Uh, but uh, I seen. Uh, I think his name is Ricardo, the other guy. Yeah, he, he's doing. He's doing great with the with the video production. Um, so I see him a lot. I see him a lot. Okay, uh, we like the other day I saw him at the at this Mexican restaurant that opens twenty four hours. You mean just the restaurant in Mexico? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's famous in Tijuana. It's called Restaurante Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> It has the most generic name. It's, it's called Restaurante Mexicano 24 Horas. Right. So we just call him 24 Horas. So it's like... That was like a fake mafia front. <laughs> yeah. Legitimate business. Yeah. So, okay. So that was like, I remember, I don't remember Beto being in the band. I remember Fernando being in the band, but he probably, Beto was probably in the band. Well, yeah. Beto was not there yet. Uh, he was already out. Um so it was with Miguel that you were trying to get us all those shows. Oh. And there was there was one where I was like, just fucking... I remember you you went to practice. It was at my house. And I fell asleep probably in the room practice. You know, you said something like, it's good, but this guy needs to stop being afraid of the drums. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I was so angry at you. Like, you don't fucking say that the day before a show. You don't fucking say that. <laughs> what kind of a... <laughs> Dude, that asshole of me. No, that, what, I, I, I don't know, play any instrument. It's the truth, you know, like, man. That, that's the reason why it hurt <laughs> is because it was so true because I was like, like hitting it like, uh, like just insecurity incarnate <laughs> and the drums, there's no room for that. You know, you gotta, if you're going to play bad, you might as well do it like animal, you know, like, uh, which is why I ended up doing it. Just, yeah, just exactly. Make it raw energy yeah. and have it cover up. For your lack of yeah. talent at the beginning, you can't can't do that forever. Basically, what every drummer does until they get better. yeah, yeah, until they get better. Until they get except better. I didn't I didn't want to put in the time to you know keep going keep going on that direction. But anyway, so we went to that show. Our very first show was at Bulldog, and I think it was you that got that Bulldog. Where was that? It was in, like in the back of the uh, of Plaza Zapato. Oh yeah, I think I, I think it was you that got us. No. Got us that show? Not probably. And then um, that was like the biggest rush of my life. Just shitty show. Like eight people there, including the next band. And then <laughs> we played four songs and it was like, what? Just this amazing rush. Uh, and it's like what you were saying. It was just trying to be in shows, you know? Like not. Yeah. Clearly, I don't have the talent to be part of the show. But it's just like, I have to be there. I want to be there. Yeah. But that's what I got, uh, what made me so excited that you were there from the start. Like, we didn't need a manager, but like, you were like, uh, 
you know, like uh, practicing. <laughs> you were doing your own, your own little practice for that. But that party you got us in San Diego, we went across the border, had, you know, waited like an hour and a half. We're all like pumping ourselves up like, yeah, we're going to play a house party. Then we're going to stay up and get drunk and meet people. <laughs> and we show up to the address and it's just like this neighborhood is completely quiet. And we went, like, we called, we went down, and we rang at the door. There was nobody. <laughs> and, we, <laughs> and we, like, it was just so sad because you made that comment about me being afraid, and I just went into, like, this panic. And all the other guys were really sweet, like, no, man, like, look, we just, we don't play covers. We're just going to play our songs. Nobody knows that you don't know how to play because you're only playing what you made up. So it's all right. <laughs> they were really supportive. And then we get there and there's nothing. And uh, I don't think we, we ever told you because it was embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that was the reason I we we did the party here at my house then. Because it was, you told me that it was kind of like, hey, like nobody show up. And I, and I felt so bad. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do the show in my house. And I'm sure people will show up. And then like... You guys can play there, and, and there, and you guys were really excited to play. <laughs> yeah, the, the pity show. Yeah, because it was just us, right? It was just—it's just like your living yeah. room and just us in there. <laughs> no, no, that that time people showed up. Well, yeah, people showed up, but I mean, it was just us as a band. But then the people from Ambiente were there, obviously much, much better musicians. And then, like, they kind of jokingly, like, you know, let us, let me try. And then they did like a, you know, some good music. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I remember that at the show here there were some people. Yeah, but that was uh that was that was a lot of fun. So that's when that must have been two thousand four, maybe. Probably. So then the next year you did uh, all my friends there. No, no, no. Two thousand ten was when I did all my. Friends. Okay, okay, two thousand ten. So again, I went this roundabout way, but I got very excited to see that you stuck at it. You know. You went from managing a shitty band, <laughs> shitty band which uh, rename, uh, remained nameless. Not that that was your beginning, but that just shows how committed you were to this, that you were like, yeah, I'll fucking manage these idiots. I'll get them a house party. I'll, I'll let them play in my living room. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and you kept building, 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 building. And, uh, and now you're doing that for a living. Well, half of it, half of my living, it, it, it's, I'm still semi-professional. I wish... That was full. Um, it was a full time thing, but it. I mean, it could become. I mean, it's getting closer. Uh, it's just a matter of. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like it. It's 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 not easy, and um, I mean, I've been thinking lately a lot of. Um, so, like I told you, like we did a like we got some of the best shows we have ever done this year. And then we started with load and, but it also a part of me, it's kind of like, I've been thinking a lot of, of, uh, separating what we do in life as far as production and all that stuff. And, and actually myself moving more to management and, um, and do that. And we, we are probably going to start next year with that as soon as we get the product live production uh, settled. Because um, 
because I don't know. I just feel like it's it's time. Like like I already know all the in and outs of what they, or most of the in and outs. I want to say of how do you book and manage an artist, and then like I want to do that part more than being stressed over selling tickets. Well, if we ever do a comeback show, we'll call you. <laughs> yeah, call me. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a, a house party pretty soon. Wait, what are what are some of the the highlights? What are some of the stuff that when you were doing it, you're like, oh shit, I can't believe I got these guys. What? What? Well, I mean, in all these years that you've been doing this. Uh oh, the highlights. Yeah. Well, definitely. I mean, it wasn't like. I mean, when you're on production, like it's hard to think of highlights. Like it's hard to. You're worried to so much, so much, so much things of what could go wrong, and I mean, and until the show it's over, you you get it's more like it's more like it's kind of like a little bit egocentric, and but it's also I'm more like I'm I'm happy to see bands that I book or that we book or or that we have had shows. And seeing them in other festivals, on bigger festivals, or just seeing that they're doing great—that's that's always nice. Like you know, like when I saw those Blenders play, or I saw El Lado Negro, or Princess Nokia play Coachella, or like uh, when I saw Chelsea Wolf, you know, touring the whole country, and just uh, with Kings of the Stone Age, like that is pretty like exciting and. Also exciting is as far as the um, the bands, like I I don't think like I like I ever get to enjoy a show as far as like you know like oh this is great like I always have to wait till they come back or till like oh they invite me to a show or something like that. But to me, like the highlight has been. Mm, like being able to meet like the owner of Coachella, that was to me the highlight because uh, I wouldn't got there if I wasn't if I went all the way with the festival and without the, without the help of my friends, you know. And I don't know, <laughs> uh, like I went to this backstage once, and this guy came up to me and went like. You you seen uh, Straight Outta Compton, the movie? You ask is that what he asked you, or are you asking me? No, no, no. Do I ask you? Okay. Uh, no. No. Well, Paul Giamatti plays this Jewish guy who came to be the the manager of uh, PCE and the NWA, mm-hmm. and this is like this uh, old decked out Jewish guy, and. This is in real life. Like this old Dick Jewish guy came to me and was like, "Hey, what's up, Richard? How you doing?" And I was like, "Hey, what's up?" <laughs> and, and and he was like, "Dude, TDE is going great. TDE is the is the label of Kendrick Lamar." And I was like, "Yeah, man, definitely." <laughs> he was like, and then, and then like he hugged me and and he was like. And then he looked at me and was like, "Are you really Richard?" And I was like, "I'm not." <laughs> was like, oh man, yeah. And then, and then, but then I was like, "Oh, I mean, like, yeah, that's not me, but that's where I want to be. So at least I'm portraying like 
you know, <laughs> like someone I want to be. And I'm at the right place where I can meet this guy who thinks. People think it when they see you. So you got that aura. <laughs> yeah. So that to me, it was <laughs> like super funny. But it also like, yeah, like that's, that's, that, that, that was kind of like the thing. And like my sister now, like she lives in New York and she's doing great as far as the chef and she has her own life there and she meets random people and she tells them about all my friends and about his brother and they know about the festival and they know like that to me is kind of like the, the satisfaction right there that that people still remember something we let you know like it started back when you guys were playing you know like just doing shows and we started at a house and um Yeah. To, to help your sister go to study. Yeah, to help my sister. And then she's, you know, like that, that is the most uh, exciting thing. And to be honest, like in a more selfish way, like at least this year and what I feel like is going to be next year, because I feel like next year is going to be even better as far as the talent that we're going to be able to bring to Tijuana. It's, um, is the fact that uh, when I, Like I have a problem with this city and this the, and and like like most of my friends moved out, you know. Like nobody wants to stay here because it's kind of like it's tough. It's, there's nothing. There's not a lot to do. The exciting things are for the young kids, and um, except El Valle, everybody. It seems like that's the only thing people do on the weekend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, you know, it's kind of like. Like everyone's moving out, everyone moves to Mexico City and know that, and I'm still here. So sometimes I feel like maybe I should move out because I have options to move either to LA or to Mexico City or you know try it somewhere else. And I I thought I think about that a lot and where I want to be and where I want my daughter to grow up and all that stuff. But I also feel like. Mm, not a responsibility, but I also feel like at least I have like this romanticized idea that, that Tijuana should have like, I mean, because we're so close to San Diego and so close to LA, it should be like the Mecca of what's going on in Mexico as far as shows. And it, at one point it was, uh, and back in the nineties with the Iguanas and, Uh, we had like language nails and nirvana and all those plants played here and 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 green day and to me when billy joe came and he said like oh it's been 15 years since i played here uh, to me that was kind of like testament it's possible to make to bring those things back into uh, people Well, bands skip San Diego and do Tijuana instead, and and I know it's such an, a specific goal and such a like personal thing, and it's not like like a priority on the things that city the city's problems, but at least to me, it's kind of like I it's something I aim for, you know, like like I get inspired by that era a lot, you know, and. And, and because it meant it, it, I mean, you can see 
that it's yeah it's about the bands and about the shows and all that but it also has a lot to do with the fact that um and i'm sure you're aware of this because you live you had also have a a, a double life between the u.s and mexico like it's kind of harsh the way people think of the border and how difficult it is to cross the border and you're going to get in trouble if you go there and all that. And I feel like doing the shows and having people cross the border and do that, it, it, it makes them realize how fucked up it is and, and how incredible it is that these people spend three or four hours crossing the border to go there and make a living. And, 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 and it also creates this idea that, you know, it, it goes beyond that, at least to me, you know, it, 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 it's something that, uh, that it's important that people uh, do that, you know, that they realize that they can't come and visit another country. And if they don't ask like idiots, like they don't do in their own country, they shouldn't be getting in trouble. Yeah, it could be a very good reason for people to visit and uh, without realizing, you know, having a little cultural learning moment, I guess. Which uh, I guess kind of happened with the yeah. sexta, with the when people started going there. But that's going to open a whole new uh, conversation. Yeah. I think we should pick a title for the episode. Okay. So I think. Um... All my friends, it's too easy. Because I had told you as a joke that, that I was going to steal that name as the name for this podcast. Um, I think we should name it um, Local Heroes. Local Heroes or Loco Heroes? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. See, this sounds very um, very presumptuous. But here, you know, like whenever you see like, oh my God, this is such a asshole analogy. When you see, uh, <laughs> like I'm embarrassed to say, but I just, you know, when you see Miles Davis playing, <laughs> do you remember the first time you listened to Miles Davis? And you see, like the, like every musician has their solo, yeah, and they're all incredible musicians, yeah. And then Miles Davis has like this thing where, it, I don't know how he does it he manages to get the essence of each one of those solos and he's just sitting yeah. there like nodding, nodding. And he somehow makes a phrase that captures all those, like you just heard like 20 minutes of solos of different instruments. Yeah. And he'll find like this one little phrase that brings it all together. It's like, wow, how, you know, like, uh, yeah. And that, that's what I want with the title, but it's such a, <laughs> <I thought you laughs> that's what I'm asking you to do. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay. So, so we've, we've talked. <laughs> so, can you can you put up a title that it's that it has the artistic value of Miles Davis? I like Loco Heroes, but we talked about the festival and uh, you know, like pursuing your dreams and dissolution in the middle. Yeah, and we didn't talk that much about my daughter. Right, uh, that was a, a a personal decision. I didn't want to. I want to leave people's families out of this. Unless, of course, if you want to talk about it. No, I mean, it's cool. I just want to say, like, if she ever listens to this, uh, I love her with all my heart. All right. Uh, Are you going to cry? You remember you were a crier. 
You really remember that? Yeah. Wow, I did. You were one of those. How do you? When did I cry with you? Because I, I, I just remember you were fucking Chiyon. That's all I remember. That's crazy. Because I mean, earlier I, I was, I did tear up while you were talking. <laughs> 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 no, really, like, like, uh, like, I told you, like, pride and excitement. That it's nice to hear you. Like, uh, I, yeah, I am very emotional, <laughs> but I, I don't remember ever, like, uh, I remember you, 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 you were. You had a theme like of that, like oh yeah, and probably because Fernando was such an asshole and he was gonna be like, "I stay away from Probably because of that. That's why you remember, or that's why I cried because he said that. <laughs> no, I just probably because of that I remember because oh that's how I knew. Okay, I don't know, I don't know, maybe. Anyway, uh, I think we should name this episode for, for your daughter. I like that idea. We don't have to include her name, but we could do something for her. Oh, yeah. We could do that. Something that she would understand if she ever gets this. Well, I mean, you're going to get the copy of this, so. I think we should name this. I don't know what we should name it. All My Children. <laughs> I only have one. <laughs> no, we should, we should name this um, Tijuana Mi Amor. I don't know. All right. Is that a cool name? No. Is that for her? Yeah, I think so. Okay, then it's a perfect name. All right. Uh, Are you gonna interview more people from Tijuana? Yes. Well, I'm gonna. Um, this is like a new social network, rich chocolatey goodness. <laughs> I'm. Uh, I'm just. Okay. I mean, uh, that sounds horrible. I don't want to do that. I just. I wanna. Yeah, a lot of people from Tijuana that are not living in Tijuana anymore. Okay. Yeah, all these people that I want to know what what they're up to and uh, just hear their stories. Do you wanna? Make an announcement of who's gonna be coming to the next episode. On the next episode, I need to speak with uh, Miguel because I haven't spoken with him in a while. Same thing, like we sometimes we chat, but we don't really speak, speak. So you know, need to know what's going on. Uh, Marco, I don't really. Same thing. I know he has his daughter and everything's going on, but I don't really. I don't know what's going on inside his heart. You know. <laughs> Uh, Beto, same thing. Bet Beto, <laughs> Beto bought my house. Well, not my house, my my mom's house. No, really. Yeah, so he lives there now. That's really weird. He sends me pictures sometimes. <laughs> he told me like, <laughs> of course he does. Yeah, he told me like, hey, I bought your Skyfall. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, I'll talk to him later. Is there anything you want to plug, like a festival or something <laughs> that's going to come out like in six months? Yeah, that's it. And I'll keep following the, all my friends' social media to find out what's good in Tijuana and Rosarito and Ensenada. We're state-wise now. And now, um, the sign-off. I'm not going to get into the whole boring description of the book. But <laughs> the idea was that if you could move everybody's timelines so that anybody who has ever said rich chocolatey goodness, if you could move it around so everybody says it at the same time, you could hear this enormous chorus of a million people saying rich chocolatey goodness. So that's where I got the idea for this, you know? Uh, okay. I want everybody that's on the show to say it in each episode I'm going to edit it so that you hear the previous voice together. And eventually I'm going to have all my friends in this enormous chorus saying it together. 
Okay, that's cool. So cool. if you could do that sign off and then we'll we'll finish. Uh, do I have to say we chocolate goodness again? Yes. This is so hard. I know. Uh, and that's our episode. Uh, thank you for listening. This has been Rich Chocolatey Goodness. That was good. I think that was good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Argenis. Hey, thank you, Pedro. Rich Chocolatey Goodness is produced by myself, Benjamin Morse, and my friend, Pedro Escobar. Special thank you to our guest, Argenis Garcia. Check out the original All My Friends Music Festival on Facebook and Instagram at All My Friends MF. Music by one of the truly great musicians to come out of Tijuana, Marco Moreno, with a little help from the worst drummer in his band's history. You can find photos and links to the music discussed in this episode on our Instagram and Facebook, at Rich Chocolatey Goodness. Follow us to get all the rich chocolatey updates and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify for new goodness delivered to you every other Sunday. And if you like what you hear, please be sure to leave us a comment right